0: This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast.
1: Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does. He scores! What a play by
0: Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, on, and much more. Sets up Bolino, back to Baldi, shoots, and scores! The BC
2: kid returns home and scores his first! Close to work for the Wild. centers one, Eriksson Ek with a shot, he scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek, he's the hero! Poked away in Kaprizov, here for a chance to win it, he scores!
0: And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall alongside my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki, Fellas, the vibes are immaculate. It's seven in a row from the Minnesota Wild, which if you're a frequent listener of this podcast, we promised it would happen. We said it. might When they were swooning, we said, hey, this isn't going to last forever. They're a good team. They're going to get out of this. may not be next week or the week after. It'll happen. Here we are, back on our winning ways, back on our bullshit. Um, We'll be talking about the last four games. We'll be talking about the goaltending, which who would have thought two weeks ago we'd be talking positively about the goaltending. Uh, We'll be talking about some prospects. We'll be talking about some extensions. we got a jam-packed show. But as we always do, we got to check in with the fellas, see how everyone is doing. Justin, it's always interesting to hear what's going on in the Baki household, so we'll kick it over to you first. How's it going tonight, man?
1: Uh, it's going well celebrated my dad's birthday today he turned 62 so i uh, was at the parents house for a little bit today doing that and um yeah just the last week's been spring hockey's started so some doing that and of course catching wild games and uh, it's been a, a busy week it's it's my busy week it's monday technically for me tomorrow so uh, it's a busy week
0: heck yeah uh zeke what about you man
2: yeah, no, it's been been a good week. Uh, not much special going on, but uh, just been like everybody else, enjoying uh, you know all the hockey last week and uh, getting back to the winning ways of the team. So it's uh, it's been a good time those last few days.
0: Yeah, it was it was nice of the Wild to kind of uh, lick the wounds yes. for you guys um, after the loss to your beloved, for your beloved Bulldogs at yes. the hands of of De- it was to Denver, right? Denver, yeah, yep. yep um but if you're a maverick fan like me or a gopher fan there's still a chance like there's still hope we are mortal enemies i um, speaking to you gopher fans um until the end of the day next thursday if you beat me if you beat the mavericks it'll probably be till friday or saturday and then i'll get over it um hoping you'll be the ones that have to get over it not me um but mavericks and gophers frozen four um next thursday i I would assume it's primetime-ish, probably seven or five or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know offhand. We'll talk about that more next week. Um, but had to rub that in there—the Mavericks and the Frozen Four. Um, would so be remiss if I didn't. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a good been a good couple uh couple of weeks here for the Wild. Um, some prospect news to get to as well. Um, some guys wrapping up. So Justin, we'll uh will go to you on on what's happening with the prospects.
1: All right, so uh, a lot of seasons are wrapping up. As we know, a lot of the college teams are, are done. A lot, All the Wild Prospects seasons are wrapped up in terms of college. Uh, a couple news bits out of that is Sam Henches signed his entry-level contract as well as Vladislav Firstov. So uh, looking forward to seeing those guys in Iowa and, and continuing their career down the pipeline here. Uh, speaking of Iowa, <clears throat> Mitchell Shafey was our our prospect of the week. He had a a really good week here, so um, I'm kind of going off my feed here. I was not as prepared tonight, but he had four goals, one assist and two games. Good reason for him to be our prospect of the week. He seems to be Iowa's hottest player right now. So
0: he's kind of got um, that like that Jerry Mayhew, Sam Annis, yeah. kind of that that veteran. You know, maybe not a guy that would light the NHL on fire, but just tearing up the AHL and being you know that stability. Um, for a lot of those young guys and being that veteran presence, which is you need those guys. Yeah. You need those guys because yep. um, exactly. they traded away the point per game center in Victor Rath, so someone had to had to pick up the pieces there.
1: <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> they got rid of other veterans, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, another thing happening right now is the KHL playoffs are going on. CSKA and SKA are facing each other in the semifinals or the conference finals, whatever you want to call them. Uh, that'd be who's Nadinov against uh, Guskov and Svetlikov, all three of our prospects. So at least one of them will be in the championship for the KHL, the Gagarin Cup. Um, another big news coming out of the SHL is uh, Jesper Wallsted ended up being the top goals against average getter in that league, which is pretty awesome for a 19-year-old in the pro men's league. I can't remember if I brought that up last week or if it happened since then, but
0: a lot has happened since the last show. Like yeah, it, it's it weird. has. <laughs> so, if I weird, said it already. That's I'm what happens when you have today. six days between games instead of you know two or three. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, let's see. Another bit of news: Wild fans, probably know uh, Connor Dewar has been called recalled back to the Iowa Wild. So maybe we see a like a Chaffee Rossi dewar line or something down there. Be fun. Hopefully. Help or Iowa for, get hot God again. God forbid,
0: put Beckman with some skill. That'd be nice right. to
1: see. <laughs> uh, and then the last bit of news is something that was on uh, Straight From the Source podcast with Russo. There's, uh, see, it sounds like the Wild are one of two front runners once the Gopher season is over to sign Ben Myers, uh, the Gopher's center and captain. Um, I think this would be really good since, you know, organizationally wide, we're, we're pretty thin at center, and he's been one of the – he will be one of college free – one of the top college free agents coming out of college here. So yep, absolutely good news there.
0: Was it um, – I'm only halfway through the episode and got to the part um, where they talked about Myers. Did they mention who the other bidder is at this time, or did they just – uh, Yeah, wow, they, they mentioned
1: – Detroit as the other Mm bidder. They said Philadelphia has interest, but it seems like Detroit and Minnesota are the two front. Philadelphia
0: interested in a Minnesota free agent? I know, right? (laughs)
1: Chuck Fletcher is at it again. Uh,
0: My roommate and I, we we laugh about that about once a week. Just like we were joking, like Chuck Fletcher is, you know, currently scouting the college free agent market going, all right, so that guy's sister's brother's dog owner's breeder um, has a cousin in Minnesota. We, We need that guy. Get him on the phone. He's got Minnesota connections. <laughs> Call him up. Like, Get him on the horn. I mean, hey, Chuck. He's an honorary one of us, and he literally he 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 buys all the way into it. He he's always looking for the Minnesotans oh, yeah. to add to the squad. Um, didn't help him the other night though um, when the Wild trounced them four-one. But yeah, it's, it's uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Myers. Um, you know, that'd be the that'll be what I'll, well, I'll preach when the Mavericks beat the Gophers is hey, we just got Ben yeah. Myers here sooner rather than later. You're welcome.
1: Um, <laughs> right. the only thing about the Ben Myers thing is, is he would only be able to play in the regular season right. this year, not the playoffs, because I think it would have been the trade deadline to Correct. sign him yep. in order for him to play in the playoffs. Yeah. So that's one caveat to it, but it'd still be nice to have him.
0: Yeah. I'd be really curious to see kind of how, and if they'd actually really work him in with the big club, um, yeah. or if they would probably just play him in Iowa. Cause you, you know, you, you've kind of look at that fourth line right now with, with Joe Stelorier and Duhame that's going to be your fourth line during the playoffs you'd think you'd want mm-hmm. those three especially two of them being rather new the organization and one being a rookie you'd think you'd want to continue to give those guys reps together to build the chemistry rather than just throwing ben myers in there to get an hl experience and then playoffs come around up and it's not playing anymore now we're back to this line again yeah. so curious to see how how that all works um you also have nick bukestead sitting there too um as well so it'll be interesting to see if they sign him kind of what the the plan of attack is with him and you have to wonder from his perspective, if that's maybe in the back of his mind too, if it, when it coming down to Detroit, Minnesota, cause I'd imagine mm-hmm. if he goes to Detroit, he'll get the opportunity to play there, but then it's right. weighing, all right, what does my spot look like next year? I could be in my home state with a contender. Um, so it's kind of that, you know, th- that same debate that Jack McBain might've had. Um, so it will be something to watch for sure. But, uh, I'm optimistic. I think I, yeah. I'm optimistic about about Myers being being a piece here. So,
1: right. Um, and I, I I do want to bring one more thing up. Um, it's prospect page related. Uh, if people want to go to the prospects page, click on the Fan HQ link that we've been retweeting out. Um, if you follow the, the directions there, you'll have a, a chance to win a eight by ten Matthew Bowley autograph photo. So, don't miss out on a chance to do that just check the prospects page or the fan HQ page. And uh, that's going to be back. worth
0: a lot of money when Matt Bowley goes to the hall of fame. So you're going to want exactly. to, you're going to want to get that now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess next we'll kind of jump into the game recaps here. because We got quite a bit uh, to talk about. Um, we'll start with uh, the return of Brad Hunt to Minnesota, as well as uh, some other guy named Bruce Boudreaux. Um, <laughs> no, it's it great to have Bruce back, um, but the Vancouver Canucks come to town. Um and the first of a, a trifecta of three two overtime wins for the Wild. Um it did not end up being Marc Andre Fleury's debut as we as we thought it might be. Um but overall a, a pretty solid game for the Wild, you know, a, a game maybe a little bit closer than you would have liked for a team like Vancouver. Um but ultimately the Wild in the end take that to overtime, um, kind of led by the by the top six group um, goals from Zuccarello and Fiala, um, and then of course I believe is the Eck overtime goal that sealed it um, that night. But just an overall not not, not a bad game. Um, probably Talbot's worst game of the last five, which we'll talk more about him in a little. Which I think says a lot to how well he's played. But uh, any thoughts from the Vancouver game, if if you can remember, <laughs> four games ago now.
2: <laughs> well, I mean I'm trying to like I said so. I remember. Uh, Bo Horvath scored it in the game. I think for Vancouver, a shot bounced off of Jacob Middleton skate right into the slot. You know, yep. basically just accidentally teed him up. But uh, you know, fire away. And so, and then obviously I remember the Krasov scoring a nice night from you know kind of the top of the circle there. But aside from that, it felt like I don't know the the, the thing I can maybe remember the most is that uh, you know they I think they they I think there was maybe two penalties in the third period of the Wild took. I think they killed the first one and then. Obviously, J.T. Miller, I think, scored just seconds into the second power play mm-hmm. to tie it. And it. from what I can remember, it I think it seemed at that point that maybe they were not hanging on, but they, you know, it felt like maybe the third period there that it was getting a little, you know, uh, I don't know, like you said, but it got maybe a little closer. Well, dicey. maybe uh, the other day, way yes, a little dicey than you know you maybe would have liked. And uh, obviously, you had the uh, John Miracle being waved off for being offside. Uh, you know, obviously, it was offside, but that was too bad uh, on the delayed penalty. And, uh, you know, it kind of felt like another one of those games where he just couldn't get the, uh, that it might end up being where he just didn't get the extra goal and he could have lost. But, uh, you know, like, like you said, uh, you know, they, uh, got it to overtime. I'm trying to, trying to think what else. Yeah, no, that's,
0: that's pretty much what I, what I remember. Yeah. It's a long time far. ago. I was having like, I was trying to rack the brain too of what happened. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Justin, anything you remember or takeaways from, from the game against Vancouver?
1: No, I mean, not much to add other than um, it, it was uh, Erickson X goal in overtime reminded me of shades of Zuccarello in the shootout. It's wow. almost like they're each other, each other moves and whatnot. But, no, it was it was great to see Bruce back, and it, it was great to beat him while he was here. So, um, <laughs> I mean, Zeke wrapped it up pretty well. I felt like the third got dicey. I just had a feeling they were going to end up tying it. Uh, after our goal was disallowed and then they did and we ended up coming out on top which is good seems like the resiliency with this team is is pretty high usually so
0: yeah and it was it yeah, was quite much the bad. sequence in overtime too like right off the bat it yeah. seemed like Kirill Kaprizov was about to take off on a breakaway yeah. the puck mm-hmm. kind of bounces on him all of a sudden it was a turnover JT Miller gets at the game on his stick just spanks one off the iron um Rebound kind of goes to the corner. Kaprizov loses it. Brodine gets it back. Kaprizov starts going up ice. X kind of floating up there. Uh, Brodine hit, hits Kirill. Kirill hits Eck on a breakaway. Ek goes in, and Justin, like you said, with the with a shade of Matsucarello, a little little hard fake on the backhand, goes to the forehand, tucks it around the pad uh, for, I believe, his second game winner of the year. Um, first one back on the home opener against the Jets. Of course, everyone remembers that goal. Just an insane game, but that's what it takes sometimes. You know, it felt like... You know, that was the type of play when they're in that swoon where, you know, that bounce, you know, that puck goes in for, for Vancouver, right? They just don't get the bounce, mm. and they get the bounce and, and you know, kind of shake off, you know, what was left of that, you know, that that loss against Nashville a couple weeks ago and really got back on track. Yeah, so then after that Vancouver game, you know, we, we re-catch our breath, um, and then the Wild put us back in heart attack mode again um, in Columbus – they get an early goal from Kirill Kaprizov in the first. Um, Columbus scores two in the second and kind of all third period long. the Wild, they're battling. They're battling. Like, I think in the second period, I think Columbus had, like, they didn't have a whole lot of chances, if I recall. Kapo um, hasn't a couple. The Wild battling back late. It's like, gosh, it's, you know, Merzlikin feels like he's stealing a freaking other one away from us. Sure enough, the Wild do what they've done all year again, back on their bullshit, uh, pull the goalie. Um, and then who else, but Kirill Kaprizov, um, through, was that the one that won like through Eck? Yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. I don't I even like, know, like he, he put it through I like the middle yeah. of Merce Lincoln's body somehow. <laughs> like it was insane. Eck yes. with the great screen ties the game. It goes to overtime and, uh, the captain Jared Spurgeon gets a winner off a nice look, slick little feed from Kevin Fiala, who continues to be red hot too. But you know, just those type of wins from early in the year where it's like, you just you know again during that swoon that's when you're like yep this one's done and now back when they're they're riding again you're like they're gonna tie this up and sure enough they did and took care of business again in overtime for the second straight game
1: right it was one of those games where i felt like we played like we're the better team and we were winning the special teams battle you know better on the penalty kill better on the power play but we just couldn't get anything past elvis i was just like just like you mentioned, is he gonna steal another one away from us? Like, come on, <laughs> no, let's not spoil Flurry's uh, debut. And, and God, that that goal by off was sweet. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. 18th empty net goal of the year. Insane. The the team closest yeah. to us has 10. Uh, I just, yeah, I think it's
0: like it's, I think it's Colorado and Tampa, or one of oh, those two. I think. Yeah,
1: I know yeah. Tampa for sure. I can't remember the other one. I thought yeah. there was two other teams, but. Just I'm curious to, to know what the goal
0: differential is, because there was a while there where it was probably positive and they gave up a bunch mm-hmm. of empty netters. But, like, mm-hmm. to even have, like, a, a positive empty net goal differential with as many times as the while to yep. pull the goalie,
1: just insane. Yeah, this season is something special with a, a lot of things going on, even things we'll touch on later in the show. But, yeah, that that was a fun game. And then the sweet uh, feed by Fiala to Spurgeon to, to top that one off and give Flurry his first win and first bouquet as a uh, – Member of the Wild. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, no, I think he, Other key part of that game is at the end of the second period there uh, when just after Columbus went up, he made, I can't remember exactly who it was on, but he made, uh, you know, a couple, you know, two or three great stops uh, to keep, you know, the Wild within one at the end of the period. And, you know, obviously, the way they've been playing, it's if they go up three-one, it's probably it's not impossible, but you you know, it's probably a lot less likely they come out of that game with even or even get to overtime. So, you know, he he did, he didn't have to be fantastic in that game, but you know, he made that save and he made another one on Patrick line in overtime just before the goal mm-hmm. where he came way out, of the challenge. that was yep. big. So, you know, he definitely. Hey, if you're you know, if you even if you're you know, he's not wasn't necessarily brought in here to be fantastic. I mean, if you're gonna. If you're only allowing two goals every game, you know, with the way this wild team can score, that's more than enough to win, and, you know, I think, you know, that game was different, I don't know, I just, it, for some reason it, it hasn't been too long since they scored six on five, but for some reason it, it, it felt like it, like, as you mentioned Brett during that slump where they're giving up, you know, one or two at least empty netters yep. every game, so... You know, I mean, I tweeted on Twitter, uh, I, you know, I kind of half screamed and woke my dad up in the other room uh, <laughs> watching the game that night because, you know, it was more of a relief thing rather than uh, obviously he's excited, but it was like, like you guys said, that was a sweet goal. And then uh, in, in overtime, there, pretty much, uh, you know, right away. I mean, like we'll talk about what the next game against Colorado, but, it, uh, you know, that's, that's been the biggest difference to the Oscillators too, is just how good they are in overtime. And I think they're but isn't it like they're 7 0 or 8 0? Yeah, they haven't in lost overtime. in overtime.
0: They've yeah. lost, what, twice in a shootout, but they've won everything else. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, just like put into perspective how much the Wild has dominated Columbus in that one. Expected goals for the game 4.16 for the Wild. I think prior to the Kaprizov tying goal, they were sitting at like 3.91 and had just the one goal um, before they kind of broke through Ms. L- um Columbus on the flip side, 1.99. So basically two on the dot allowed to Like we said, all this Wild team needs to win half the times average goaltending, and that's what they got in the Flurry debut. Um, like you said, Zeke some big saves in there, um, but did, did what he needed to do, got the job done. Uh, the Wild 21 to seven on high danger chances. Um, I'd have to dig into a little more, but 21 high danger chances or shots might be a team high or pretty dang close to it for the year. Um, but it just felt like they were all over the crease and just couldn't couldn't find a way till late, but. Eventually fell in the way, tied it up late, and uh, strung together the second of the three overtime wins. And uh, that. And then the next night, less than 24 hours later, they're back at the Excellent Energy Center, division rival Colorado in the house. Um, Colorado without some players missing, I believe, Bowen Byram, Sam Girard, um no Gabe Landis-Gogg. So missing some key pieces, but you know, the Wild coming off back-to-back overtime games, coming off playing the night before. Um, come out with another just gutsy win, Mm -hmm. Um, 3-2 in this one after, again, um, I believe, is it the Avs, were the Avs up in this one?
1: Yeah, they were up 2-1, and then Hartman tied it.
0: And Hartman gets a late third-period goal, and then uh, Tyson Jost draws a a cross-check near the end of the third period to put the Wild in the power play in overtime, and they just put on a passing clinic um, and finished off by uh, Kevin Fiala. Um, from the wing for the overtime winner.
1: Showing shades of Danny Healy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, now that, that was the Philly one, but... Yeah, I mean, Wait, that, no, yeah, that's sorry, I got my goals, s- Similar Fiala spot on the but, ice, but yeah. you're, you're getting ahead right. of the game here. Yeah, I you know, am, I'm, you know, I'm getting my
1: Fiala goals mixed up. <laughs> I told you, I'm having a hard time racking my brain on these games. <laughs> it, it seemed like one of those games where uh, Colorado, oh, man, they're all shooting us and Talbot just stood on his head for us. One of those games where I think he may have stolen us a win. Uh, kind of wondered how they would do on the second of back-to-backs against arguably the best team in the NHL, and I mean, this just kind of proves that we can kind of run with anyone, and and makes me more confident that we knock on wood could make a run this year. But yeah, this this was a really fun game to watch. It seemed like you know we went up one to nothing, yeah, and then yep. Dumba laid that huge hit on Rantanen mckinnon fought dumba which was stupid oh over a clean hit
0: yep and now screw, it, is potentially screw you out, like, fans and now has potentially <laughs> busted his hand yeah. which i mean it's not great for the game of hockey you don't no, want guys like mckinnon on the bench and you know as you know we've we've seen dumba you know get into a fight for a clean hit and getting injured yeah. it, it sucks when that happens to a good player but you know hard to feel a little bit of sympathy when he's the one right. that went out there and, and started it wasn't like dumba challenged yeah. him right so yeah. sucks for mckinnon yeah. but it's learned. one of
1: those things where I get what he's trying to do. He wants to fire his team up. He wants to sign up for his line mate. But yep. in a real time, you know, maybe it looks yeah. a little bit
0: high. But you know, right. did he know McDermott was on the ice? I don't know. But right. so I think it's the second time that McKinnon has fought a wild player this year. Yeah. Um, I, I although think I think when it happened with Duhame, um earlier this year, I don't think they gave oh, him fighting. Yeah, it was yeah. like a weird deal where like they both took their mm-hmm. gloves off, and like it seemed like you know McKinnon probably should have got an oh, instigator. Yeah and they ended up giving each, like, two for roughing.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, I think to your just point, Justin, I think uh, they did, I thought the first period, I mean, I, there wasn't very much going on that first period. I think it was, you know, fairly even in the, maybe in that, you know, the amount of offense that was generated, pretty much nothing. I think, obviously, Colorado was better for most of the second, but and, and Camp Talbot was probably, you know, the MVP of that game. He was great, but I think you know, I don't think the abs were maybe as dominant as maybe some of their fans thought, or some people watch you might think just by looking at the shot chart. Uh, it just, right. I don't know, you know, from reading a lot of things, it didn't seem like, you know, they maybe had, you know, as many uh, great scoring chances. You know, they obviously had more than the wild. And I mean, when you're out shooting somebody 28 to 9 before you give up a goal, that's, you know, that means they did have the puck a lot more. So I think, you know, that was maybe a, a bit disleading from that standpoint but i mean
0: yeah zeke to, to yeah. jump in and build on that quick shots yeah. in the game 42 29 in favor of colorado but the wild 10 to 6 on high danger chances expected goals mm-hmm. in the game 2.96 for colorado 2.41 for minnesota it was a lot a lot of shots from out high for colorado like there was maybe yeah. maybe 10 of those 40 some shots came from below the dots i think like it was a lot from out high mm-hmm. Including both yeah. the goals, I think, were outside the dots, it's kind of from a similar spot on that left side off the draw.
2: but Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, but, you know, like you said, I think, obviously, you know, Capriza, I've got the power play goal to take the lead and got the, you know, the, the, the dirty cross check or dirty check, whatever you want to call it, from Devon Taves, which, you know, I, I think we, we don't need to get into a lot of that extra stuff. No, just go we, on my Twitter, on Twitter timeline. So. <laughs> yeah, you find you can find everything there. But uh, so yeah, and then obviously uh, after that uh, then like you said the the abs did I think it was Carter who scored the first goal mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of Talbot was screened out front so that's kind of why that long shot beat him and then you know the next one was the I think it was Ranton on the power play the puck just a yeah. uh, wild lost face off and you know basically just bounced to him right in the slot to just yep. you know rip away and you know it was an it sucked the time to get you know I think you could maybe make the argument from after that they scored basically two goals in the three minutes after McKinnon fought. So, you Mm -hmm. know, that's maybe what you know, they're gone, but uh, obviously, you know, it it, anyways, it just, uh, you know, at that point it was kind of like, you know, it was like, Oh shit, you know, you don't want to lose at home to a big rival like this. Uh, But I mean, as we know uh, all the time, uh, you know, the way this team plays at home and the way they play when the backs are against the wall. And obviously uh, you know, the top line, you know, as you know, I think we, everyone knows, came out and made another great play. And Matt Zuccarello uh, you know, deeked uh, out of his boots basically <laughs> and uh, snapped Hartman of- for the goal. So,
1: yeah, I, I was trying to allude to that with the McKenna fight. That it seemed like they had picked up some momentum from that and, and took the lead. Mm-hmm. And we came back and ended up winning overtime. But uh, <clears throat> these overtime games, it was huge overall to get those extra points in all three of them because. As it sits, we're now second in the Central, four points ahead of Nashville, five ahead of St. Louis. Wow. Um, what a two games in hand, St. Louis. Yeah, two games in hand on Nashville. Same amount of games to St. Louis. So, you know, you think about it, you losing overtime, and we're one point ahead of Nashville, two points ahead of St. Louis. So, you know, every little point helps, and it was great to see us take down uh, a division rival, especially. I mean, we're not going to catch the Avalanche, but it, it you always. Never know. Helps. You know, no, know, right? yeah, I mean, yeah, you never know. Hey, if the Wild not lose it's, whatever it was, yeah, eight out right. of
0: nine, I'm not ruling off for the Avs, especially with the injuries, anything can, um, anything can happen. Anything
1: yeah. can happen, but it's good for the team confidence to beat a team like that. And, and Blue's playing as we long. speak
0: right now too, 0 at the Canucks at the end of the first, so keep okay. an eye on that one. Um, yeah, you know, maybe it wasn't the Wilds' best game against Colorado, but I think you look at the circumstances you'd played, it was your third game in four nights, your second game yeah. in less than 24 hours, Play overtime both nights against arguably the best team in the NHL, and to come out and you know stick with them, and you know do your best to to let your goalie see the puck, get the shots to the outside, and find a way to battle back late, win overtime. Just just huge, and you know that building was building was rocking. So, um, a good win there. And then finally last night um, for two periods, it really felt like the Wild really controlled. Um, that game against the Flyers let off the gas a little bit in the third period, carrying a four-goal lead. Um, we get the double minor to Joost. Um, they get a kind of a fluky power play goal to spoil the fl- the flower shutout. Mm-hmm. Um, Philadelphia pressures a little bit more throughout the game, but I think it was the Wild just kind of like kind of packed it in a little bit, and we got a four-goal lead. We don't need to continue to to shove this down these people's throats, but um, come out with a four-to-one win. In that one, yet another goal from Kirill Kaprizov. I believe he's got like 13 in his last 13. Um, yeah. Jordan Greenway, the big rig, uh, gets on the board in this one as well. Uh, and then you have, as Justin alluded to earlier, the uh, the Kevin Fiala rockstar zone yeah. um, clapper from basically the corner. I still don't know how he scored on it. I mean, just zero angle on a one-timer clapper from the right corner and somehow found a way to squeak it in. And then uh, Matt Dumba opened the scoring as well in that one. So, um, I mean, a big theme, you know, with with these last games for me has been, you know, it. The Wild do have the depth scoring, but in these big games, in these big moments, it's continued to be the big guys. It's been assistant captains like Dumba. It's been the captain Spurgeon. It's been Eck. It's been Kaprizov. It's been Fiala. It's these guys. You know, for the Wild team that historically we've ragged on the star players for. You know, disappearing in the playoffs and in big moments, and it just feels like this year, in every big moment, it's always been you know one of the leaders yeah. or the star players that's come through with the big with the big time yeah. plays or goals.
2: And I think I think maybe the difference there is. I mean, you, know, you mentioned the star players in the past. I think that maybe a bit of the difference with this last couple of years is you know the star players are legitimately star players who are you know capable of you know dragging a team uh obviously they didn't need to in that game against the flyers you know with considering the, the opponent and all that but they definitely do like you said have that capability And i mean uh the pre goal i think it was you know he made that nice little step off to the outside that was another great screen by act because without you know him standing right in front you know where he is back on the power play by the way too after a few games off which is good to see mm-hmm. uh you know that you know it's You know, obviously was big on that play, and I think it was. uh, You know, I don't think another guy just that I thought of. I don't think Matt Boldy's been necessarily like really bad last few games, but obviously hasn't been scoring as much. And it was nice last night to see him. You know, get back on the score sheet with that uh, nice tic tac toe play with Freddie Hockey and Dumba for that first goal. So that was good to see as well.
0: Definitely.
1: Yeah, it, it was also nice to see us be able to kind of like let uh, <clears throat> let on the gas a little bit in the third period instead of, you know, with all these games and so many days, mm. kind of resting some of those top guys and, and maybe getting the fourth line some more minutes was was nice to do. And then uh, another thing I wanted to bring up with these overtime wins, kind of off topic a little bit, but uh, you know, years past, you guys mentioned we we're like seven to zero in overtime, but years past, we were like. When we'd go to overtime, you'd be like, oh, man, you know, this is a loss. Here we go. At least we got our Uh, point. (laughs) Yeah, we got the loser point at least. But now you go into overtime almost with the feeling that we could win any game because of the players we have. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of tying with what you guys just said and Mm -hmm. talking about the overtimes. But, uh, yeah, yesterday's game was fun. It was, you know, one of those teams that in the past could have been a trap game but uh it wasn't really a trap game we we came out you know hit him in the mouth and came out with the victory yeah
0: Yeah. and I and I think that game gave us a really good taste of what Marc-Andre Fleury on his game looks like um nine out of ten in high danger saves last night uh 2.11 goal saved above expected in that one we saw the first windmill save which as a opposing fan of Fleury I'd mock but as now on my team um, <laughs> dazzle all you want as long as you keep the puck out of the net I don't care how you do it um, but he he was fantastic last night like w- when the wild did you know kind of stumble there in, in the third period and you know I believe they had six minutes in penalties in the first like 10 minutes of the period I mean he was their best penalty killer in there he made some big saves some big stops mm-hmm. from in tight um, and ultimately you know I think he got the first star in the game as well and, and rightfully so because he was just terrific um, and it was great to see that, you know, we we talked about the game against Columbus, very average, didn't really have to do much. And then last night when he was tested, he came up in those big moments with some big saves, which was, which was great to see. I think, I think it was
2: especially, you know, nice to see what that was. I mean, the whole second period, he basically, I think he made like four stops. I mean, he pretty much was on break. Yeah. Whole, I think in the first like 14
0: minutes, there. there was one shot.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, to keep that, obviously, I mean, all these guys are pros, they can all do that, but. You know, to be able to keep your composure and stay in the game and be ready for, you know, as you mentioned, Brett, that, you know, that scrambles there in the third period where the Flyers got a lot of pucks on that. And, I mean, even the one goal that they did score on that power play, I mean, it was, I think Spurge was trying to clear out and hit a guy and just bounce yeah, right on. Yeah, bounces a, off, his Frost, off his chest,
0: off his visor, and drops straight down on his so, stick. But um, I will give credit to Morgan Frost me. because, to me, mm-hmm. he was kind of the, he, he was noticeable all, all game for Philly in the right ways. And a, a young yeah. player who looks like, you know, with, with mm-hmm. Giroux gone, you know, a guy that they're probably going to be looking to rely on and be kind of a big part of their future, and I thought he played a solid game last night.
2: Mm. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I mean, like you said, it was just good to see him play, and I think, you know, I've seen, there was a, there has been some, not too many comments about this, obviously, because most people, obviously, around the league and fans here already, love Fleury is the player in person he is, but, you know, there were, I have seen occasionally the, you know why did they trade the higher pick for a backup goalie? It's like, well, he's not really the backup. You know they're mm-hmm. both playing really good right now. You know it's it's uh, you know it's uh, it's a good problem to have where you go from as we you mentioned at the top of the show, Brett, with you know when we a couple, month ago we were ragging Not even like three weeks ago, time. like yeah,
0: probably Two beginning weeks, of the yeah. month, like it was like, what's you know our goaltending <laughs> sucks. Yeah, it did. What are we gonna you do? Couldn't,
2: <laughs> you couldn't get a save, and now I mean if. You know, if you know Cam obviously hot right now, and he's had a tendency to be hot and cold. But if you know if he does get cold now, you have Mark Andre Fleury as the next guy up, or the other way around. If yep. he takes low share of the net, so I mean, you know, hey, it's I know it's maybe something we're not used to, but it's a it's a good thing to have too many good players at every position, yeah. that, especially and, in net in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, so. that and Fleury, he can steal you a series. I mean, you've <clears throat> seen him do it time and time again with, you know, Pittsburgh and, and Vegas kind of stole the series from us when he robbed Hartman like a hundred times, yeah, but, uh, fine. yeah, you, you bring those type of hall of fame goalies and, and, you know, try to make a run, add, add that depth. Now we've got two veteran goalies that uh, can help us down the stretch. And, uh, yeah, we know, yeah. we knew Kakanen and Talbot were all kind of streaky at times. I mean, they both had their really good points, but, uh, this just kind of solidified the position.
0: Yeah, and it's just amazing how you know beloved he already is here in Minnesota. Uh-huh. You have the bouquets of flowers raining down at after games, and just the little things too. I mean, you just hear his positive in the locker. I mean, you've heard you know Kevin Fiala just glow when yeah. he talks about Flurry, and even the little thing. If I don't know if you guys saw this from uh, Judd Zelglad's um, tweet about last night at the end of the press conference, Flurry said, "Thanks, guys," yeah. um, and then pulls aside Jesse Pearson and Sarah McClellan, beat writers for. Um, wild.com and the star tribune female writers and he goes was it okay that i said guys And it's like just to have that awareness and just you know just the the care he has for other people mm-hmm. um and just a type of like he has the minnesota nice built into him right um just a perfect yeah. fit here and uh loving the flower fans are loving him. the 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 memes and the pictures have all been <laughs> yeah. great and um i uh-huh. hope it, it's great to come but you know as much as we've talked about flurry i think we'd be remiss if we didn't give some love to cam talbot especially the way um, that we shit on him a couple weeks ago. Um, we're going to do kind of the same exercise with Talbot that we did um, a couple weeks ago and just kind of go through his stats, but this time just where they're at now. Um, so since March 16th, so the Boston game, five starts for Cam Talbot, 5-0 and 0 in those games, 139 saves on 149 shots, just seven goals against. It's a 952 save percentage, 1.40 goals against average. Um, has a shutout in there. Um, he has 9 point, 9.37 expected goals again, so a 2.37 goal save above expected. Um, just great on the high danger chances, if you guys remember from the last time. I think during his slump he was sitting at about 61% on those hmm. high danger shots. Uh, 19 of the last 21 um, throughout the last five games. That's up to 91%. So now about 10% above average um just absolutely bounced back he's been great he's been composed he's back out the top of his crease i mean just the professionalism and maturity of cam talbot to have a hall of fame goalie come in and just to put out rock star mm-hmm. game after rock star game has been awesome you know i think we're, we were fair to criticize him but i think it's you got to you got to give the respect back. Like just what a turnaround. Like, I don't think, you know, we talked about, you know, his bad play wasn't sustainable. I don't think this type of play is sustainable, but who knows? But man, is it, is it great to see him, you know, for the, for the third time, this show again, just to be back on his bullshit. Um, it's, it's been wonderful to see. Yeah. I mean,
2: I think, you know, the first, in that Colorado game, I think a couple of the saves that come to mind as big ones were when the Wild around the power play. I think after it was you know tied, they, they got a power play against against Colorado, and I think I don't remember if he made a save or if for whoever was missed the shot, but I and the, they had a kind of a shorthanded two on zero, and he either either he got a piece with his glove or it came out to challenge confidently and you know took away a lot of the space, and then I think they also the abs also had a two on one in uh, that same power play shorthanded, uh, and he made a couple other great save there and just uh you know like you said i think when he's been playing well he's not he's kind of different from a guy like Fleury, where he's looks just he's more technically sound he's not flopping around he's in the right position as you mentioned brett coming out to challenge shots being good on his angles i mean when he wasn't playing well like in that philly game he'd mm-hmm. be you know basically sitting in the net or be way yep. off to one side leaving the whole side of the net open and now it just looks like you know as you mentioned that you know he's just completely confident in, and, you know, how he's playing uh, he's, seems to be always in the right spot. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I think that, you know, just to make, the main thing is that it's hard to remember. I mean, it's, he obviously he's been playing great, so he can't really have allowed a bad goal. But there's, it's hard to remember the last time that he allowed a bad goal or even just Agreed. a so-so questionable yeah. goal. Yep. I mean, the ones that have been scored against him have, you know, been ones that, you know, it's, they're going to score. So I think that's the key thing is, uh, you know, he's... And, uh, you know, obviously all we ask, you know, all the Wild really need out of their goal this regular season is just to make the saves that, you know, that you're supposed to. And uh, he's been doing obviously a lot more than just what he's supposed to over this last stretch.
1: Yep. Another thing about Cam and, and this could go a long way in the playoffs too, if he ends up mm-hmm. being one of the starters, some of the games, I mean, he's cool as a cucumber, you know, it doesn't let a goal affect him. He doesn't let the fact that he's in a slump really affect him. He, he takes ownership. He, I mean, he's a professional. He slumps. They bring in a Hall of Fame goalie. That could, for some guys, that could that could wreck their their psyche. And and he just
0: basically said, "Hey, I'm it. not I'm yeah. not handing this crease over right. without a no. fight. Nope. We're, we're, we're sharing this thing."
1: Yep. He sticks with it. You see the videos of them in the locker room, just kind of kind of whatever celebrating with each other. And, yep. Um, I mean, that's what you want. You want uh, you want a healthy competition where they support each other, and and you know we're we're all there for one goal. So. We saw how we responded to to it all with with first star of the week in the NHL. So yeah,
0: yep, no, good good I mean, call out there and a well deserved first yeah. star of the week and yep. and uh, you know great great for Cam. So Wild don't have a goalie problem for the time being again. So we'll see <laughs> if we're revisiting all of this again in a couple of weeks. Hopefully not. Um, but pivoting off goalies, the next thing. Um, we kind of wanted to talk about here, and this has been mumbled on Twitter. Justin's tweeted it out. I think Russo's mentioned it on some <laughs> podcasts. It's been on the broadcast, but just the amount of wild players this year having career seasons. Um, mm-hmm. If you're listening, you've, probably, you've maybe seen the tweet thread I put out, but a very just quick summary um, of players who with 17 games left in the season – um, here are the players that have already passed, so not even ones tied or um, on pace. This is the ones that have already passed career highs. In goals, Kaprizov, Hartman, Foligno, Goudreau, Merrill. Assists: Zuccarello, Kaprizov, Fiala, Hartman, Goudreau, Merrill. Uh, points, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Fiala, Hartman, Eriksonek, Foligno, Goudreau. Um, players on pace in goals, Fiala, Eriksonek, um, who both are tied with their career highs right now. Um on pace to eclipse assists, Brodine, Spurgeon, Eck, Felino. Um, and then in points, Brodine on pace there. And there's several others who are, you know, three points here. They're a big night. Could put them right on pace too. I mean, th- there's something like 14 of the regulars are probably have a career stat year. Like, it's just nuts what these guys are doing. And, you know, obviously it comes from the wild scoring tons of goals. But man, I don't know what Dino did or what Billy did, but. I mean, these some of these guys who just are these career like bottom feeders have have found ways to produce and just been it's been so cool to see.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, uh, another thing. Sorry, Zeke. No, it's not. Not only are they having career years, but uh, some of these guys are having franchise years for this for this franchise. Like Mm -hmm. you look at goals, forty two is the record. Kaprizov sits at thirty seven assists. PMB has the record at fifty. Uh, you see Zuccarello at forty eight. Uh I think. Kaprizov, Kaprizov at, at forty five. Yep. Yep. They're they're both on pace to pass him there. I mean, Kaprizov is on pace to pass Gaborik in points with. Yeah. He's at eighty two. gabric has eighty three. Uh, even things like plus minus plus thirty four is our team record. Galagoski sitting at plus thirty four right now. So just he so can. Weird. I don't very know how... well. Obviously how I how a but... plus
0: thirty. I just like. <laughs>
2: I mean, big part of that's being on the power play so much early in the year, but yeah, it's. We don't uh, even
0: get pluses from the power play. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's only even. Str- right. I think it's just that's like, true. yeah, like hmm. J- Jared Spurgeon's back just must hurt from carrying him. But it's like, <laughs> and it's just weird because like I think he has like two goals on the year. He's got a ton of assists, but it never feels like. Oh, you know, it's never the Zuccarello pass where it's like, man, what a pass by Goligoski. It's all of a sudden like. Oh yeah! By the way, Alex Golagoski had an assist in that goal, and you're like, "Wait, he was no, on the yeah. ice?" What? Like, it's just like <laughs> you, know, yeah. you look, and it's like, "How is, how is Goose doing this?" Um, yeah. you know, Jay, that's a great transition. Um, uh, well, can I just say just yeah, one thing uh, yeah, quickly? But ahead. you know, you you, obviously, you guys
2: are talking about the career highs, but I can't. And obviously, we know the chemistry that Caprice Evans and Carella have, but I can't. It's just, can't get over the fact that Zuccarello is probably going to have 80 points at, like, the age of 35. Just, like, I mean, obviously, you know, when you're playing with a great player like that, that mm-hmm. can change it, but it's not, not many times you see a guy who's, you know, a really good player's career who had, you know, usually 55-ish points go from, you know, 35 and 42 and 37 and 65 to being, you know, well over a point per game at that age. It's uh, it's pretty yeah. damn good.
0: yeah. Uh, career high in assists prior to this year, 44, um, with 17 games left in the season. He's sitting at 48, um, and he's missed uh, eight games already this year um, on pace for 62 assists right now. So um, that's, what, 18 higher than his previous career high. Um, just obliterated it um, and just shows you, hey, what what magic chemistry can do. Yep. Um, also, the fact that Kirill Kaprizov's goal pace right now is forty-seven when he didn't score the first like thirteen games of the season, he had like one goal, yeah. and now like whatever thirteen
1: in his last thirteen. Like,
0: there were people that were like, "We overpaid him." Wow. Where were you at? Yeah. We're, well, that's
1: something we preach on here: is to be patient. There's yeah. ebbs and flows yeah. in the season. The ebbs will, uh the flows will come. The ebbs will come. Mm-hmm. But I mean, these these guys are stars. I mean they'll find it at some point when they're in a slump and he's certainly found it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, uh, we talked a little bit a minute ago about Alex Goligosky. Let's talk a little bit more about him. Um, Much to my surprise. um, It came out, I believe it was kind of afternoon yesterday that um, there was a plan in the works to extend Alex Goligosky two years by 2 million, which, you know, at, at the signing, it sounded very plausible. And then we saw the Merrill extension, and we heard rumblings of Russo saying, I don't think they're going to re-sign him. And then, oh, boop, here we are. Uh, Alex Goligosky, two-year extension, $4 million total, $2 year extension 4000000 dollars total 2000000 each year. Uh, it totally caught me off guard. Um, my first gut reaction was not a fan, and then I kind of thought about it um, as, you know, if, l- let's assume for the sake of argument, your third pairing next year is... Yeah. John Merrill and Alex Golagoski to have a third pairing of two quality defenders under 4 million is probably a steal, especially if you start looking at some of the contracts that were handed out to number five and number six defensemen during free agency last year. So I think ultimately for me, what this means is it's more cost certainty for Bill Guerin, um heading into the off season, you know, knowing he's got options for basically now, I don't think Middleton will come in much more than 2 million either, which basically means four yeah. of your, four defensemen you'll have locked in at probably no more than two and a half million tops. So pretty savvy business by Bill Guerin, all things considered.
2: Yeah. I think, I think what you said, just said, but with the cost certainty is key. I mean, uh, you know, a guy replied to Russo asking that same question when we've heard him, Guerin say that kind of, you know, maybe not say it directly, but at least maybe through the media say that, you know, with a lot of his moves, obviously with Prusian Suter was for cost certainty, you know, it wasn't the only reason that was a big deal. And obviously, as you just mentioned with, Getting all your you know your D signed. I mean, like you said, we don't want to go into the offseason have to overpay for a Tucker Pullman desperately because yep. you need a guy on D to play. So mm-hmm. that I agree with you there. I think it's uh, it's very smart. But I mean, I, I think you know Justin, you can get into this. if you want. But I think what it does, obviously, you know, this, this a lot of this stuff is the stuff offseason summer conversation, I guess. So it's a little hard to exactly know what they're going to do right now. But I mean, you think I don't? I think it's they got six, like seven or eight. You know NHL caliber D with Kalen Addison in there that you think uh, could play in there. So I th- it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, at least one of them is going to have to go. But I think you know if Golgoski hasn't been great, um, you know maybe the last couple months. But uh, you know at two million isn't too expensive, and it obviously seems that they like him as you know the person and the player that he is. So it's uh, it's you know it, like you said it's a little confusing, but it's uh, it's the likelihood that it's you know a big hindrance or a bad deal is pretty unlikely from you know even if he isn't the great i mean if he's a bottom pairing guy for two million that's you know that's just fine and i will
0: go ahead justin
1: i was gonna say i think it was kind of twofold too with the middleton trade where you get a guy that can play with you know he played with burns and and carlson there he can play with spurgeon here it's kind of twofold where you bring him in with the plan that you're going to resign him and you can get a guy like oligosky like brett mentioned bottom pairing um He's a little bit older, give him a little bit less minutes, and he can still be effective with, with Merrill or whoever they decide to uh, keep, which uh, you got to think that there's a trade coming in the summer. You can speculate there. But, yeah, I mean, you kind of feel like Spurgeon, you feel like they're going to sign Middleton, uh, Merrill, Kulikov, Goligoski, Dumba, Addison. I mean, someone, one or two guys are going to go, but it's nice to – Like, just reiterate that you have that cost, uh, you know, your cost, and then just have the feeling that Middleton's going to be here with top pairing with Spurgeon. It just makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Zeke, I think the big thing for me is, you you know, you mentioned Golagoski, maybe been struggling a little bit lately. They go out, they get Middleton. I think he's looked effective when he's played on the third pair. I think those are minutes mm-hmm. better suited to his skill set. He Maybe gets a little bit of that weaker competition where he can defend more effectively, but then that offense kicks in. Cause he does have good ability to move the puck to see the uh-huh. ice. We talked mm-hmm. about the assists, the plus minus. He's not a guy that, like, you know, a Victor ask where the offense is totally absent. Right. Um, yeah. You know, really good performances in both the games, both with Merrill and Kulikov. Um, on the third pairing, we saw him get some reps in the power play and and look all right there before they kind of change things up again. But I think for me, is is the issue I have with Goligoski. I didn't want to bring him back to pair with Spurgeon. Um, and I think as I've kind of sat on it, we talked about the cost certainty, a two million dollar number five, number six defenseman that has Goligoski's skill set. All right, like I think Nexterman for sure, the second year might be a little dicey, but. Again, if it's for your five or six, de doo um, But I think the next thing that, you know, it, it it's not a whole lot we can dive into now because we just kind of got to see how things play out. But um, as, as a good friend of the show, Seth, Toops, um, Seth Topol pointed out, um, what does this mean for Kalen Addison? Um, and I think beyond Kalen Addison is what does this mean for Kalen Addison, Matt Dumba, Dmitry Kulikov? Because I think those are where all the attention now turns to. For these three, because I think, to me, there's kind of... There's three scenarios. Scenario one um, is a Dmitry Kulikov trade. Kalen Addison's the seventh defenseman. Um, scenario number two is Matt Dumba is traded. Kalen Addison slots in to um, Brodie's spot, or maybe that ends up being Kulikov, but I think they've tried that, didn't like it. And maybe Kulikov or Merrill becomes your seventh defenseman. Or scenario three... Um, would be um, Addison's. Just he's another year away. Um, I just want to kind of get where your guys' thoughts are at. I kind of put on Twitter with me. It's Addison seems like he's ready. There must be something that's kind of holding that back. Um, and I feel like there there has to be a move, Zeke, because you kind of alluded to. Like it feels like someone's on the move. Just want to see where you guys are at. Do you do you think Addison plays next year much, or do you think it's one of you know those other you know guys under contract um, is on the move?
2: Mm-hmm. Well. I think it's it's complicated because we don't, you know, we don't know what we think of Thadison. I mean, he's put up the numbers, of defense in the HL. I mean, twenty two points, games last year, twenty three and twenty nine this year. And you know, I mean, he hasn't been like superhuman when he's been in the HL, but he's been solid enough. So, being is he twenty two yet, or is he still twenty one? We see it says he all I know 21. is he's got a twenty one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah, he does. <laughs> You're yeah, really sweet, but it's yeah. I guess it's kind of hard to know without. I mean, I got to imagine that they like him as a player. I mean, he was the, the key piece, first round pick in the Jason Zucker trade three years ago. And obviously, Bill Guerin was familiar with him from drafting with Pittsburgh. So, you know, like you said, Brett, maybe his year away. I mean, it, logically, you would, we, you know, for a while, we just assumed that he'd be on the team next year. But, you know, maybe it, it wouldn't, I guess, we, you know, they, they obviously they know more than us. So maybe it wouldn't hurt for him to play another half a year in Iowa and get maybe more of a full year compared to last years where there's been COVID and injuries and all that. So, but yeah, no, I think it's, uh, that was, that was definitely the hard one. Cause you know, I think we all, as you mentioned, just assumed that Addison would be in the in the lineup next year or even for part of this year at times. And it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's for me, I, like you said, you can't really, we I mean, just don't know what's going to happen, but somebody's going to go and, uh, you know, it, cause I mean it's just a numbers game. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't can't play more you know you can't play 8d and uh, i don't think at least and you also aren't going to carry eight nhld on your roster because what good is that you know that's you know what that's not that's just hurting the players and it's probably not doing you a ton either so uh, yeah no it'll be it'll be interesting to you know see what happens there because you know i think it could have implication it has implications on you know what their plans are on d as you guys mentioned and
1: uh, in other areas of their team too you know, my brain kind of goes in a different direction on this. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I feel like Addison is a possibly a replacement for Dumba. I feel like this has implications on maybe a Fiala resigning. I don't know the numbers without looking at them, but maybe this is their way of knowing their cost and then knowing what they're going to have in Addison and trying to keep Fiala. Like, that 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 thought kind of Pops in my head. I mean, yeah, they just Dumbo's a great locker room guy. He's an energy guy. He's he's an assistant captain, and and Billy G doesn't make guys assistants for for no reason. It's but in my head, I just feel like they're they're gonna try and keep Yala.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's what I would hope. Um, because for me, what it boils down to is that I just don't think, given the cap crunch they're going to have, regardless of what the Fiala-Dumba situation is, I just don't see a world where all of those guys stay and either Golagoski, Merrill, or Kulikov is being scratched at around a $2 million mm. cap hit. Like, that's that's $2 mm. million dollars that could have been put toward, you know, a third-line forward or, you know, paying more to someone like a Nico Sturm. Like, there's just no way they basically have that money sitting on the bench and in the press box for the entire season. So to me, it means it's one of those guys is getting between Kulikov or Dumba has to be out. Um, I think there'll be a market for someone like Kulikov again. You know, I don't, the wild aren't the only team um, that have, you know, they want to have cost certainty, you know, the third pairing guy, we talked about, you know, some of the insane <laughs> prices for third pairing defensemen last for agency. Kulikov. I, I don't know his exact number, but I think it's like, is it like 2.1? Two yeah it's, yeah it's low twos um with a year left on his contract he's not an aging defenseman he's a good defensive defenseman um i i think there'll be a market for that what what is that return maybe it's a second yeah. third round pick something um so i think that's in the cards i i think to me that seems like the most likely um, and, you know, they still look to trade Fiala, but I think there is that other path, Justin, as you mentioned. Um, and in that, su- in that situation, Cal and Addison's your, your seventh D-man, um, or he spends another in Iowa, and they have a Dakota Mermis <sighs> type as the seven. Right. <clears throat> um, or there's a Justin scenario where, it, you know, maybe it does, you know, hint maybe towards a Fiala trade. But, again, the cap gymnastics, Billy will continue to play, um, and just when we think we finally have something freaking figured out, Billy's like, ha, wild card. <laughs> uh here's flurry uh here's right. like a middleton uh oh i just traded for tyson jost hey by the way i might want to sign nick deloria like here's every thing you thought mm-hmm. you knew go back to square one
1: <laughs> yeah well, we're yeah. just kind of throwing shit at a wall and hoping it sticks here yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of speculating no. <laughs> yeah. that's uh, yeah that's the keys
2: you just don't uh you know it's the that you know that's why we talk about all these trades it's like you know, I just got to try to enjoy having this great team now because, you know, like we were just talking about, uh, it's very likely, it's just, you know, it could be several of these guys, you know, gone in just a couple months here. So,
0: For sure. Um, well, that covers pretty much everything we had. Do you guys have any uh, any final thoughts here um, as we look ahead? Upcoming schedule continues to, uh, oops, nope, I don't want that. <laughs> Pulled up highlights um, <laughs> from the Rangers game. I don't know why. Uh, thanks, NHL app. Um, tomorrow, uh, Pittsburgh. I don't think we've got clarity on if it will be Talbot or Flurry. be really interesting. Do you, do you throw a hot hand back in Talbot? Do you throw Flurry out against his former team? Um, and then kind of a grind next week. Uh, from here on out, you got Pittsburgh, Carolina, Washington, Nashville, St. Louis, Los Angeles, Edmonton. So, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight games against playoff teams. Mm-hmm. Um, no more cupcake teams next two weeks. So, yeah. Um, and all of these I, after Pittsburgh, those next four all on the road as well.
1: I think we're one of the teams in the West that has the most teams left against playoff teams. I believe which, we have the most in the yeah. league, or is it mostly? Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew something like that, but yeah, I think it's another reason of the final yeah.
0: seventeen. I think.
1: Another reason why it was good to get those extra overtime points and, yep, huge. and uh, you know, beat those teams that you're supposed to beat and go on kind of a run here. You never know what's going to happen with these playoff teams. I mean, we've all seen us play well against them, so, I mean, we could continue this run. But, you know, you could go 500, you never know. It's going to be kind of tough yeah. here the next couple of weeks. So.
2: Well, yeah, it's I think just for me, my last thing is that, like you said, Justin, it's, you know, you're not going to win – what is it? You're not. They're not going to win 24 games in a row, I don't think. Although that would be very That'd be
0: sweet. nice. You got to imagine.
1: You know, as long <laughs> and then it'd be me, a
0: four-game sweep because of some goalie playing yeah. out of his mind. Right. Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> and Jake Allen. Um, no,
2: we don't. We don't need to talk about that here. <laughs> but uh, too many bad memories. But uh, yeah, no. no, I think. I just think as, as long as they don't go. On any extended losing streaks, they'll be fine. I mean, you know, Justin, you just mentioned like even if they go five hundred seventeen games. I mean, even if they're under five hundred eight and nine to sixteen points, that gets them to one hundred two points. I would imagine that that's a lock for the playoffs. Obviously, you want to do better than that, but I think you know, like I said, just the key is if they just you know just keep playing how they are. You know, as long as there's no long losing streaks. if You lose one or two, you know, lose two games here and there. That's fine. Just, uh, but I think, you know, the, the biggest games, you mentioned Brett being Caroline Washington, but the fact that they're on in Nashville twice uh, a lot this last, this next month at St. Louis twice and in yeah. Dallas once. And those will be, you know, more so than the other games. Obviously, they're all important, but I think they, they're essentially four be,
0: point games.
2: Yes. And yep. that could play a lot into being second, third, home ice, or even a wild card spot. So I think, I think those two games, especially coming up next week in Nashville and St. Louis, uh, will be probably, you know, some of the more important games that they've played this season. Yeah, and then kind really of once them. they get
0: to this gauntlet, they do get a nice little reprieve with Dallas, St. Louis, San Jose, Montreal, Vancouver, Seattle, um, hmm. Nashville, and then Arizona before finishing the season back to back Calgary, Colorado. Um, Hopefully they don't matter. Hopefully. Yeah. But um, I mean, if you want to get ready for the playoffs, your final two games of the season at home, Calgary, Colorado. Yeah. Buckle up, baby.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we've rambled on long enough tonight about a bunch of different things. So, um, Justin, why don't you uh, remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work?
1: Uh, you can find me at de 2004. You can find me at Kaprizov C with the of Countdown. You can find me at M&W Prospects, at M&W Young Guns. Just a reminder, go to that page, our page, <clears throat> and retweet the K-Fan, or K-Fan, Fan HQ post, and then get your chance to win that 8x10 by Matthew Baldy.
0: Awesome. Zeke?
1: Uh, yeah, no, as, as usual, you can follow me on Twitter, at Zeke
2: Uh You can find, you know, thoughts on games, etc. Everything, you can find it there.
0: Alright, and you can find me on Twitter, at B underscore Marsh92, continually owning the Avs Media. Um, be sure. sure you are following the podcast account as well, at Foghorn. All one word, both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, wild pittsburgh carolina and nashville on the docket uh washington as well before we record next so again four more games before our next episode so we'll do our best to be able to recap those uh but until then this has been another episode of sound the Pop.